0: From Alaska Teen Media Institute, this is Podcast in Place Youth Stories from Quarantine, a series about youth in Alaska during the COVID 19 pandemic. We're bringing you stories, interviews, and audio diaries from socially distanced teenagers and young adults. I'm Atme producer Rowan Pickard, recording this on my computer in my home since the Atme studio is closed for the time being. While the lives of youth are greatly affected by the pandemic, we are much safer from it than many other demographic groups. So today, we're shifting gears to talk about one of the most vulnerable groups, the elderly. In this episode, we hear from Rebecca Parker, Executive Director of the Anchorage Senior Activities Center. Atme Senior Producer Quinn White spoke with her about how the facility has found ways to work with their clientele remotely, how isolation is affecting seniors' mental health, and how we can all safely help our loved ones. They spoke over Zoom on January 22nd, 2021.
1: What changes have you had to make in the day to day operation since the beginning of the pandemic?
2: Oh, my goodness, it's been um, really um, educational and it's been really challenging because we've had lots of change. And the first change was the day that um, in March we were um, given an order by the city that we needed to close our facility. We were preparing for that. but. you know, you're know, you never completely sure um, what the next step is, but we did uh, immediately bring in a consultant who helped us put together a, a plan for um, those of us who, who needed, were essential to be in the office. And we did close the facility to the public and all of our members. We have about 2000 members, close to 2000. So we had a lot of communicating we, we needed to do, and we went on uh, television to make sure that the news got out, that we were closing the center for now, and we, we're still closed. We applied for lots of grants to keep our funding source um, level, and we've been very successful at that. Some of the changes day to day, um, some of our employees needed to work from home. So we've had to provide them with computers and technology so they can um, work from their homes. We have people who have children. So they're not only taking care of the child, but also trying to work. So we have a lot of flexibility at the Senior Center for our employees. We have a Medicare office. We also have uh, a program uh, director who oversees uh, health and wellness. And we have a fitness director. And so we have a lot of things that we've had to develop over the last few months to become virtual platforms. So we can do Zoom fitness classes, Tai Chi and Zumba and whatever um, else that we offer, lots of lots of different classes. And then uh, we also have partnerships with some of the community uh, leaders and organizations, the Alaska Alzheimer's Resource Center of Alaska. Um, They provide uh, support for a program called Brain Games. And we do a lot of games and fun discussions about how to keep our brains active and um, working. So lots of exercises for the brain. And we have a program that we share with AARP and the uh, Older Persons Action Group. Once a month, we bring in speakers on different subjects and we have a lecture series. It's really, really quite interesting. In February, we're going to do a Zoom uh, program for our members on, well, because of Valentine's Day, we decided um, a topic that doesn't get discussed very much is intimacy with seniors. And so it's going to be about sex and seniors. So we'll have a specialist come in and talk about what that means and the importance of having these discussions. Um, And then there's a a time when you can ask questions from the audience. So a lot of interaction. We've had um, some challenges for our seniors is that many of them do not have the computers or the tablets that they need to communicate. So we have been writing grants. We've obtained 30 tablets, and it looks like we may get a couple grants. So we're hoping to have at least 60 tablets that we can put on loan. And we've also requested funding for hotspots or them to connect with the um, internet, because a lot of seniors just don't have the wherewithal to uh, pay for the connection. So you can give them a tablet, but if they don't, if they can't use Wi-Fi or internet, it's not gonna do them any good. So we're actually looking for funding right now. And we have a couple proposals that are being reviewed. And I think those will be supported. So we have a lot to do not only for our employees, but also for our members and seniors in the community at large. Um, We have a lot of, uh, we have about 65 who receive food boxes monthly. These are people who meet the poverty level, federal poverty level for Alaska. And they come by and we do curbside delivery for food boxes. We also at Christmas time had 200 holiday baskets that we distributed. And that was all curbside. They drove up in their car and we walked out with their basket and everybody was on time. It was really, really wonderful. And we've gotten many, many calls from from the recipients thanking us for those food baskets. Um, they were just topped with everything from a nine pound turkey roast to vegetables and fruits and cookies and all kinds of special um, food items that would be appreciated by anyone. And so that's been very fulfilling. We're just getting ready to start a new program in um, because food is such a huge issue right now for seniors and senior security. There's a lot of food insecurity right now and among seniors, uh, the cost of food is going up. Um, Sometimes you get to the grocery store and things have disappeared off the shelves. And so um, finding a time to shop for seniors is also very important. Some of the stores are uh, allowing seniors to come in early in the morning so that um, they can uh, shop without a, a large crowd because of covid
1: uh, one thing that you okay. said that um, I thought was really interesting was how you guys are kind of distributing like laptops and uh, tablets and technology out to seniors. Um, you know, I know with my own grandparents that they have a really hard time with technology. So how how do you kind mm. of help them figure these things out?
2: Well, it's really been a partnership with the um, Anchorage School District, uh, the West High Key Club uh, has been helping some of our seniors. Uh, People will call in and they'll help, you know, walk them through how to sign in and how to find a link and um, all different kinds of help. Um, And then we also have employees on staff who are taking calls daily from seniors who need help with their computer or they've got something that's stuck and they need help. And so we've been helping in lots of um, different aspects. But I would say that um, the important thing is for our seniors is when somebody calls in that we're there to answer or get right back to them. So it's um, that timing is really, I, Um, You can tell when somebody's stressed or distressed when they call just by their voice. And so it's really important to our staff to try and get right back to them the same day, if not the next morning.
1: Can you tell me some of the ways seniors have been mentally and physically affected by the pandemic?
2: Yes, I think um, mentally the isolation is a tremendous issue right now with our seniors Um, I get calls at home uh, from people, you know, who are members and or they come to the center all the time and they just want to hear my voice or I want to hear theirs, too. And so connecting is really important um, because so many of them are isolated in their rooms and, you know, they go down maybe to get a meal and take it back to their room or they may go to the grocery store with someone once a week, but the rest of the day they're home alone and watching TV and their only connection to the outside world is their phone. And so um, we have a team of senior um, employees who call our our seniors um, throughout the week and they each uh, work off different lists but we make sure we keep in touch with people and if they need something, they know they can call. Um, and I think that isolation um, has probably been one of the, the most serious issues that we're seeing among seniors, particularly over you know a year's time. I mean, it's been nine months uh, going on a year that a lot of people have uh, been stuck at home or um, on a very limited basis, they get out. So I think isolation is, is one of the huge issues that we've faced.
1: I know something that's really important to me is that I call, I try to call my grandma as often as I can, because it's just really important to me that she knows that no one's forgetting about her.
2: So I, I have one lady who calls and I, she calls me her daughter. I, she's, she's my daughter. Yes. And, um, I, I mean, I just really enjoy um, the friendship that we've developed over the years, and she really um, needs a friend, and we're we're there for her, and we remember her birthday and Christmas and all the important times of the year. That's and so, we, sweet. so- Keeping in touch is really, really important and making those phone calls. I have one gentleman who moved here, his son uh, is here and he has traveled all over the world with his job. This gentleman, he's in his 90s and I just enjoy our conversations. He tells me about the jobs, he worked in the oil industry and I spent 20 year, 25 years working in the oil industry. So it's really fun hearing about different parts of the world that he's worked in and you know, just having someone to talk to her, that he can tell stories about his life is really important. And I'm fascinated by them. So he's become a phone friend. And I really, um, I think both of us feel um, some real joy in getting to share time together once in a while.
1: Since the pandemic began, we've heard all these horrible stories about elder care facilities being overrun by COVID cases and deaths in the lower 48. But Alaska has been really fortunate um, in that that it seemed to kind of fare better than the lower 48. So how do these national horror stories affect how you guys operate and how, how does it affect you and your staff's mental health?
2: Well, we are still closed to the public and many of our employees are working from home right now so um, keeping in touch with them daily and um, making sure we're all getting our assignments done is very important we also i mentioned we had a um, consultant come in and work with us before we dispersed and uh, started working from home and um, so we actually develop policies and procedures for the facility and for everything that we do. Um, just entering the building and you, know, we have to, you have to have your temperature taken. And we ask several questions of you when you enter the building. Um, and we make sure we check each other when we're there. Um, and everybody has to follow the procedures. Um, if you uh, touch the coffee, Pot. Then, um, and, and we have a touch button. Uh, you're supposed to wipe it off when you're finished. And um, if somebody um, uses a pen, you put it in a little box where we can clean it. Um, it's, it's. Um, you just close the case and just turn on the switch, and it cleanses all of the pens within two minutes. So you can put a hundred pens in there. It's really fascinating. Um, So we've gone to great lengths to buy uh, equipment for our protection. So we have a special uh, program where we um, purchased some uh, containers and we can actually clean a room in just minutes with this mist that we spray. And um, you can have 10 people in the room seated six feet apart. And so we have done a couple meetings and training programs with um, probably 20 of our employees and at times a couple um, volunteers. Um, And we have a a complete small binder uh, booklet of policies on how to conduct your Zoom class or um, a few people in the fitness center. Maybe we only sign in one at a time, one per hour. So we, we've come up with different scenarios and we're gonna get ready. We're, we're not ready to open this very moment, but I think in the next um, few months we hope by May or June, that we will be able to reopen to the public. And we will um, we will do it on a very slow basis, a soft opening. And we'll limit probably the number of people at any one time in the facility until everyone's vaccinated and we get the green light that it's um, everyone's going to be safe. And that, that's our main concern is that our employees and our members and the community um, Stay safe. Right now, we're renovating the facility. We just received a $2.75 million bond last year, thanks to the voters of Anchorage, and we're um, renovating the entryway, which has a beautiful skylight that was leaking, and so that's being replaced, and we're doing carpet, and we're uh, upgrading the kitchen, we have a library, um, we have a ballroom, we do a lot of catering, so we um, You know, everything is getting um, upgraded. We have restrooms that we're upgrading and this is probably the best time to do it is when it's quiet. But um, we hope to be back in and open by uh, spring, summer, and then um, we'll be, you know, gradually opening back to include our members in the community to come in to the facility.
0: We'll be right back. Even though all of us at Atme have been working from home during the pandemic, we are still looking for youth to join our team. As a youth producer, you can conduct interviews like the one you're listening to right now, edit audio, record voiceovers, help write scripts, and much more. And all of that is paid work. So if you are between the ages of 13 and 24 living in Alaska and interested in joining ABME, go to alaskateenmedia.org slash join. You can also email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. Now back to Quinn's interview with Rebecca Parker.
1: So what are some ways that, um, People can safely visit their loved ones and help them, you know, because this is especially hard for people with Alzheimer's and dementia. And I know with my grandma, she doesn't always know what's happening. So how do we how do we um, approach that, and how do we continue to keep our our elderly loved ones in the loop? I guess.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, I think every individual and family has different issues. Um, So I think you have to, there's not one answer for all. But what I encourage anyone who's getting together with someone else is to wear your mask, wash your hands repeatedly. Um, If you don't have to travel right now, you may not want to. I do know people who are traveling and they've been able to do it safely. They've gone to Hawaii and. The hotel only was full 10%, you know, so there weren't that many people. There weren't that many people on the beaches, but, um, but the risk is, you know, that you're, you're out and about. So you just have to uh, protect yourself. And then I think protecting others. I know um, my family wanted to come visit me from Homer and I just said, you know, I just got my first shot and I get my next vaccination the um, end of this month. And do you think we could just wait until I get my second vaccination before you come to visit? And that takes a little pressure off me too, because, you know, I love everything just so and, you know, in my house, everything's clean and tidy. And I like to cook and I like to entertain and um, I'll just feel better, I think, when I know that um, I'm going to be safe and I don't want to give them anything either, so... I think just um, everyone has to consider uh, what the risks are, and then if it's worth taking that risk uh, that someone could get sick. And, um, you know, we've lost a lot of seniors during this pandemic. That's one of the saddest things, is. um, And I have a dear friend who's in a lovely, lovely care home, and um, they have been wonderful. I mean, to the uh, residents. Um, They've been very careful um, to keep their residents from getting COVID and um, they've had to limit visits. Sometimes your family just comes and, you know, walks up to the window and blow kisses and try and talk through the window even. And, um, but, you know, I just, my friend just feels so Great when she can see her family, and but they have not been able to come into the building except on a very limited one by one visit, and um, so it's been almost you know nine, ten months since she's actually had a chance to leave the building, and that's that's hard. That's really hard.
1: I'm glad that you brought up vaccines. So what does the rollout for vaccines for your staff look like and in our community, you know, as more and more, I guess, elders in our community are kind of, they're kind of at the top tier. So Mm -hmm. I guess my question is, what does this rollout process look like on someone who is kind of more involved with
2: seniors? You know, it's really interesting because the state, I think Alaska has been um, ahead of the curve in some ways. Um, I know my sister lives in Oregon and um, they still haven't rolled out uh, vaccinations for seniors. In Anchorage um, and uh, actually all over um, Alaska, there are communities who have received vaccinations for seniors and healthcare workers, frontline people. Um, This has been overseen by a state uh, task force uh, committed to work on the pandemic, the COVID. And I think they've done a really good job considering there's always going to be something that we didn't think of (laughs) in planning. But I think they've done a really good job in stepping up and making sure that um, the vaccine is available and that we've been able to add more locations for seniors and making it more accessible. The biggest problem everyone had at the beginning was that um, you would go on your computer and try and get an appointment. Well, if you don't have a computer, you have a real problem because you have to have a computer. So some of us got kicked out of the program, uh, we tried to sign up. Maybe we put ourselves on a, a wait list. Then we found out there was an opening someplace, and then we try and go get on, get an appointment for that opening. And it was um, very frustrating. I spent hours myself. I spent about five or six hours. That's insane. Yeah, and and finally, a friend of mine called and said. I, I, I got myself an appointment and I see that they have one more appointment open. Can I help you get an appointment? I said, absolutely, here's my information. And so we went together um, and we went to the Alaska um, Airline Center and it was so organized. I was very impressed. And it was just a few days after they had opened it and um, there were you know, lots of people um, working. But everything was organized when we arrived. Um, there had been a line earlier that morning of seniors there to get their shots, um, but by the time we got there at 11, it was very smooth. Everybody was um, ready to help us and shuttled us right into our um, to where you receive your uh, vaccine, and it was over in just you know 20, 30 minutes. We were finished and on our way and it was everybody was so nice and friendly and it was just um, I was talking to my friend when they gave me the shot I didn't even feel it (laughs) so that was good and and I didn't have any um, issues with the Pfizer shot I had a little soreness that evening and realized I shouldn't have used my right arm because I sleep on that side but um, I, I was really grateful and I think most of the people there were It was very calm, everybody was happy to be able to get it, Um, there are so many seniors though that i'm concerned about who haven't gotten their appointments yet so. um, statewide there are efforts in place to improve the distribution and, of course, uh, we're waiting on some vaccines so. um, I think we're pretty hopeful that. We'll, we'll see an increase in the distribution over the next couple months.
1: Like you said about your sister in Oregon, it's really interesting to see how the rollout of vaccines is widely different by state by state, because I'm yes. I'm, at, I'm going to school in California and even here, like things are totally, totally different. And like, it's just kind of hard to follow. And I'm sure, you know, Elders in our community are just as confused as I am trying to digest all this information.
2: Yes. And so I every day I get a call from someone or maybe a couple emails from someone who needs help getting that appointment made. And we're helping. Our staff is helping anyone who calls in to get that appointment. So I think we're doing all we can. I know um, the state epidemiologist, Dr. Zink, and her team are... Uh, very professional and I think they've done an outstanding job considering this is the first statewide pandemic we've had in many years. And we just encourage people to get the vaccination when it's available, because there are some people who are afraid to take the vaccination. And I loved what um, doc- Dr. Salk, whose father um was founded the polio vaccination. Said uh, on a program the other night on television that, you know, if you don't get the vaccine, um, there's no guarantee that you are going to live or anyone else around you. And uh, the only way to eradicate a worldwide pandemic is to get the vaccination. And they were very successful in eradicating polio for many, many years. There's still a few little pockets of polio around the world from time to time, but nothing like um, in the 1950s. So I really encourage people and to get their vac- vaccination, not only to save their own lives, but the lives around them. And I, I liked what Pope Francis said. He said, it's really a moral and ethical issue that we get the vaccination to save lives, your own and others. So that's what I'm encouraging is everyone to at least get the vaccination, if you possibly can. There are some medical issues people have that they cannot, but if you can, you, if you can get there to get it, I really encourage all of us to get our vaccinations.
1: That leads me right into my next question. So are the elderly in our community keen on getting the vaccine or are they skeptical?
2: I think most of them are very keen and very um, looking at this as science-based and uh, you can tell from the lines of people waiting to get their shots uh, that yes, they're willing to stand in line for an hour, you know, at the school district the other day uh, there was a 90 year old man who they took right to the front of the line and he got his shot and there were other people in their 70s and 80s who waited for two hours you know and they didn't mind waiting because they knew in the end it was best for them and their family and everyone around them so i think people are being pretty um calm about it um and waiting just waiting for the time that they can get it. And we wish everybody could get it today, but it is a process and we just have to be patient.
1: Can you tell me a story from um, last March, since this all began um, that really gives you hope for the elderly that you care for?
2: Well, I see, I think we're at the, at the point where we can see the end of the tunnel, we're not quite there, but we're, we're we've made some headway. And um, I know for myself, I'm hoping that I can get on a plane in by March, and go to go to the sunshine. <laughs> because I'll have my vaccination, and not that that's a hundred percent. I still will wear a mask and still be very careful about washing my hands because it's nine the vaccine is 95% positive you know that we're going to be safe but it's not 100% so i think we all still need to be really careful about making sure that we protect ourselves and others and wearing a mask i think right now is going we're going to see that mask we're going to have to wear those masks for a long time
1: So I know we kind of discussed a lot in our conversation today, but is there anything else that you wanted to add that maybe we didn't get the chance to talk about?
2: Sure, Um, I have family living in Ecuador and the entire family um, got COVID and they survived it. I was so thankful. So I'm looking forward to going to Ecuador and see them as soon as I can. But um, we're so lucky in this country that, you know, we have the hospitals, and um, even though it's not perfect, I still think this is a great country, and um, you can just mention it if you want. We gave garden tours um, for some of our neighbors who are seniors, and they loved coming through. We have five acres, and our building is 35,000 square feet, so it's... It's a footprint, and it was really fun having uh, small groups. And we stood six feet apart, um, but we were able to walk through the gardens. And our gardener was very helpful in giving everybody a fun tour and educational. And it was just nice being outdoors. So so we've done a lot of uh, things that necessarily we I mean, not having been through a pandemic before, even though um, I worked for a commissioner um, in health and social services, I was really proud of our organization for how we've handled the pandemic and being able to to keep our employees working and um, our seniors engaged, even if it's virtual and by phone, we've we've kept them engaged.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
2: Okay. Thank you.
0: That was Atme Senior Producer Quinn White speaking with Rebecca Parker, Executive Director of the Anchorage Senior Activity Center. You've been listening to Podcast in Place Youth Stories from Quarantine from Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Trekkingost with additional music by Kendrick Whiteman. Stay tuned for more stories from quarantined youth. You can find these stories at alaskateenmedia.org, where we have included resources for youth during quarantine in partnership with the State of Alaska Division of Behavioral Health. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Dena'ina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including John O'Hara and James McCoy. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Atme. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our series on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us to get our stories out there. And don't forget to check out our website, alaskatinemedia.org. There, you can learn more about what our organization does, discover more youth-produced content, or find out how to get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaskatine Media Institute, I'm Rowan Pickard. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there, and we'll get through this together.